Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Light the Fight. And uh, I'm David. And I'm Heidi. And we're, and we're here. Zooming. Yeah, and we're Zooming. Between the two of us, we've got about 50% of health and uh, <laughs> and happiness. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we're happy. I'm just not healthy. And, and Heidi needs more time in the day, right? You need more hours in the day? I am carrying the team on my back. That's right. So, you know, it's, it's all right though. It's the holiday season. And, um, I, I don't know, David, I, today it's like, I was working on Halloween in one area, Thanksgiving at the shop and releasing Christmas. It's just, it's all happening right now. Well, you should have some like, you know, like all like the good vibes hanging around, like have like Little baby Yodas, little baby Buddhas, you know, some rosary beads, some, you know, you know, just all, all, all just the good, you know, all the good energy. All yes, the good, right. yeah, all the good I'm energy calling stuff. on all of the favors of all of the people. Boy, oh boy. But um, let, we're going to jump, jump in. But before we <laughs> get too carried away, um, as you guys know, David and I both have reached the golden age of needing um, glasses needing glasses, reading glasses. Um, and lucky for us, I mean, you guys know that we've been friends for a while with um, 1-800-CONTACT. And no, they don't make Halloween contacts. I asked, it's not a thing for them. Um, so, Cheap. you know, I know, I it, there's a lot of money in Halloween contacts. They're missing out, man. They could be it's raking it in. Yes, I know. So maybe I need to start that business. But anyway, um, we've... But 1-800-CONTACTS also does glasses. And so that's where I've gone to get my last couple pairs of glasses. But then we found out that they also have, and you guys have heard us talk about it because Dave and I are both pretty stoked. <laughs> they have like this sister company that's called Lingo Eyewear and super fashionable lenses. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a little, I'm coughing. But all you do is go on to Lingo Eyewear. Now it, two eyes, two eyes. So you got to go L-I-I-N-G-O, LingoEyewear.com. And then you can just get like a free trial. They'll send you five glasses. You try them on, you take pictures, you take selfies, you post it on your story. The internet tells you what to get. It's super easy. Sometimes you don't agree with the internet, then that's a problem. But anyway, um, and then you order it, it comes straight to you. They do a two for one um, special. So check that out. But if you really, you guys, if you need glasses, stop squinting, stop dealing with the headaches because you know what? Squinting causes wrinkles. None of us need that. And so that's ultimately, you guys, if I'm being totally honest, that is the reason why I got glasses is because I was feeling like permanent wrinkle indentions. We can't have that. So we all know that we got to look on our phones all the time. So we need the glasses. And they can even get $30 off, right? Yes. $30 off. 
Um, the code is light the fight, all one word. You guys know it. Um, so go check them out. All right. All right, all right. Sorry, I know that was a lot of hype, but we really no. Well, it, it's 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 all legit, and I found out they can give you the best glasses. They just can't make you actually better looking. So my glasses look great. I just didn't look better looking. I just look smarter, which I'll take that. That's a win. So well, you needed that. I did need that. I did need that. <laughs> so and also a big shout out to one eight hundred the mother company. Thanks so much for your community support. We really appreciate it. Yeah. So Heidi, what do you got for us tonight? What's 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 hot on the press? Well, you know, this is something that's been on my mind for a couple of weeks, and it is something incidentally that we've talked about. And and as we talk about it tonight, we're going to kind of pull in um, a couple past episodes that we can refer to you to, and um, just reminding you of some tools. But it was kind of interesting. This is what happens all the time, you guys, is that I have a few conversations with some key people, whether it's my friends, whether it's family members, whether I just witnessed it um, kind of stalkerishly or just, you know, when people call, call me and just absolute confess. Um, and so I thought, you know what, we've got to talk about this. We've got to remind everybody, no matter where you are, where you're listening from, um, is, you know, especially, and right now, you guys, when we're recording this podcast, it's the end of the quarter. And so you know what the end of the quarter means. It means that like grades, grades are kind of at stake. It's the first quarter back. And what I'm talking about is this is the first part of the year when kids are just still, they're getting used to their teachers, they're getting used to new friends, they're kind of adjusting and as we freak out, we want to ask them a lot of questions a lot of times in the in a row. I thought you were say this is the part. I thought you were gonna say this is part of the year when their excuses get really absurd. No, okay, <laughs> well, <continue>. that, too. <laughs> that too, right? But it's not just asking questions. I mean, we all know, you guys, we know that questions are bad. David has taught us this. We have we've been through this doc indoctrination. And we well, know leading, that, leading with questions are bad. Right. Yeah. Leading okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Peppering. Yeah. yeah. Peppering. Leading assaulting with people with questions. Interrogating. Interrogation. Bad. Yeah. Why did your location say you were at the friend's house? You swore you were not going to visit. But when you actually come in with a question and then five minutes later, the same question, and then 15 minutes later, the same question, an hour later, the same question. This, you guys, it's not good. And even, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a story and then I'm gonna let David like kind of resolve this and remind all of us. It's one of those stories where I'm doing air quotes here, you guys listening. You have a friend, so you got this friend. Well, actually, no, maybe it's just- Okay, it's a real story, actually, okay, good. <laughs> no, what this is, is this is just, it's a time machine moment where we're gonna go back in time and this is my memory of my youth. I felt like I was a pretty good kid. I was a pretty good student. I did what people asked me to do. I was the oldest daughter. And so I like to remind my siblings that I had to clean all the bathrooms. Like I didn't just get like my assigned, you do one bathroom and you do one bathroom. No, I had to do everything. I felt like, I mean, going back to just carrying the team on my back, right? Yeah. You didn't kiss on the first date, right? I mean, not usually, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and, you know, rarely did I get caught sneaking out. Like it was pretty, like I was pretty good at being under the radar. No, the yeah. only thing that I really, really, really hated to do um, was practice piano. So I, I will take that. I, I will admit to that, but here's what would happen. After I did everything or I'd come home from school, I would be tired and I would, I would just need to sit down on the couch for a minute and watch like, I'm going to date myself, but like right after school, it would be different strokes. And then, um, what's the one with all the teenage girls? Um, hold on. Yeah. With the, with the lady that ran the house. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. All of our listeners. No, the redheaded like, lady. Like, the redheaded like, lady. This is, uh. That's not the name of the show, but it was, uh, I know what you're talking about. It was called Facts of Life. Facts of Life. There you go. Facts so of I Life. So I just want to sit down, watch different strokes, Facts of Life, just kind of decompress. Mm -hmm. And my dad would come home from work or from wherever he was. And he hated seeing me sitting on the couch watching TV. Absolutely. His, his biggest pet peeve was just to see people sitting around just with their brains absolutely melting. And he would, and then he would just start at the top and he'd be like, is your homework done? Yep. Did you clean your room? Yep. Did, you know, and then he would just go down until I had done everything. And so he'd be like, all right, well, get out there and move the wood pile. You know, like he, he did not want me to have one moment of, of rest or just a non-productive moment. And the thing that really bothered me about this as a teenager um, is that first of all, I did, I did really need a chance to decompress. I, like I needed a minute. It wasn't like I was, I mean, I probably was procrastinating, who knows, but I needed a minute. What, it, what happened was when I would hear the garage go up, I would bolt. I did not want to be home. I did not want him to see me. I didn't want to talk to him. Because every time I talked to him, it was just going to be, he was just going to bring up like all the things. He was just going to like go down that list and try to find something that he could hound me about. Now, this probably is just my perspective. Um, I actually really like my dad and, um, and, I, and I know he just, he's a hard worker. He didn't like to see people sitting around doing nothing. Sometimes I think that we as parents we kind of do the same thing. And maybe we see our kid that's just playing a video game or just sitting there watching TikTok. I mean, TikTok is the ultimate time suck, brain suck, loss of all reality suck, right? You don't say. It's really true. Well, you know, you know, TikTok surpassed Instagram and Facebook as most screen time. Oh, a hundred. I mean, not for me because I don't even have TikTok on my phone. But you just can see it. You yeah. just see it happening. And so, when we as a parent are uncomfortable, like we know there's stuff our kids should be doing, right? And so we get sucked into this vortex of like asking them a million questions and trying to find something that we can get them to do rather than just sitting there and having their, their brain um, absolutely turn to mush and be catatonic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then we start the hounding. 
we start hounding them about every single thing that we can think about. Obviously, just like it was with my dad, it creates this situation where you don't want to talk to them. You are avoiding them because you know that if you're going to have a conversation with your parent, or if they're going to come in, they're just going to um, try to get you off of whatever it is that you're doing. So I thought that we could talk about this situation because I know that every parent who's listening has a kid that is absolutely catatonic on a phone that could be doing other things. Or a video so game or some parents or, or some parents have kids that are obsessed with reading. I've, I've had a number of clients throughout recent years where their kid, like they have to pull them out of their room because they're obsessed with reading certain novels or their phone or video games. You know, there's a and lot of, just, yeah. whatever it is, is yeah. their escape, right? It's oh, their yeah. mind numbing. Yeah. So we got to talk about the importance of mind numbing because I think that's a thing. But then we also got to talk about like how to approach this mind numbing situation, maybe give it an expiration date, maybe give it some type of a timestamp and then create the opportunity or the permission or the expectation or the understanding that we can have a conversation about what needs to be done um, without just absolutely making people want to avoid you and never talk to you. Do you yeah. have a solution, David? <laughs> well, before we started the podcast, you know, you mentioned something about just witnessing a lot of parents and a lot of parents telling you that when they're just constantly harping on their kids about the same thing over and over again, it's when you watch it from the outside, you can tell it's just, it's just not good form. It's, it's coming from a place of stress. It's coming from a place of worry, anxiety, fear, all those things. And when someone's repetitively asked the same question, did you do that? Did you not forget to do that? How many times do I have to tell you? And they're constantly like, did you do your homework? Did you do this? Parents make the mistake. And well, I, people, because pe parents are just people, make the mistake sometimes that if I don't get the response I want the first time, I need to keep on asking the same question in hopes that if I ask it over and over again, they're eventually going to give me the response I want. Very rarely does that happen. Irritation grows avoidance happens like you know kids start to pull away and become more avoidant regardless how old they are even when they're really young they start to pull away they start to realize that gosh this doesn't feel so good when i'm just being asked or reminded you know over and over and over again <clears throat> so when we talked before the podcast you said let's you know let's let's talk about this let's talk about how when you see it and when other people see it possibly in you or, you know, when we have it happening, like when we're the ones doing it, it's really hard to catch ourselves. When we watch other people do it, we always know this is not going well and it's not going to have the outcome that they want. Right. So generally speaking, when I'm picking up on this pattern and some of you guys may, may have heard me say this before, but as you know, a licensed professional, if you start to get good at, you know, helping families, you start to see more families and the more families you see, you start to see that most families have very similar patterns. Now there's different types of families, but certain families have certain types of patterns. One of the patterns that most families have, regardless whether, you know, if it's a single parent family, if it's, you know, a, a his, hers and mine family, like a blended family, 
one of the patterns that you'll see is that when parents get more stressed and when they get more worried, they ask more questions and they tend to blow up faster and have less tolerance. They feel like I've already asked you this tons of times. You should know this by now. And so the, the repetitions of the questions just keep on coming, keep on coming. And as you start to see this as a professional, because there might be some professionals, I know a few therapists, counselors listen to this podcast. When you see this as a professional, you start to go, okay, well, what do I need to do to help them see that there's a better way? And if there's a better way and you get them to try a different way, then they have something to compare their old way of doing it to the new way of doing it. A new way of approaching this is, and in, in, we say this in, in different ways in the podcast, but in this particular situation, say a different way to break out of the old pattern, because if you keep on using the same pattern over and over again, your kids identify the pattern and they build a defense mechanism against that pattern. It's Charlie Brown's teacher, classic scenario. They, they drown you out. Just like we learn to drown our kids out when they're complaining. And, you know, a young mom, she hears her kids cry, kid cry because he skins his knee. She comes flying in like it's 911. Three years later or, you know, six years later, two kids later, they scrape their knee. They're like, okay, well, the band-aids are over there. You know, it's like not that every mom says it, but like you tend to start to go, that cry is not the cry I need to run to. That cry is just a cry that they need attention, what have you. So when you start to see this pattern happening, you want to switch it to a different pattern. And a way you switch it to a different pattern, instead of obviously asking, try to like, how can I ask better questions? How can I antagonize and interrogate them more? Instead, when they're doing desire, undesirable behavior, one of the best approaches is you tell them, before you tell them that you're mad, you're angry, they need to get after something, you say, hey, look at me and look at you. Say, I don't want to get upset. And I know normally I'd freak out you right now, so I tell you what, I'm not going to nag you and tell you a bunch of times tonight to do your homework. But after I tell you this one time to do your homework, if I come back 15 minutes later and you haven't been working on your homework, you haven't been doing a lot, I'm not even getting mad. I'm not even getting upset because I know what that I know what happens. We get into a fight or you get upset with me, makes things worse. I'm not even going to say anything. But tomorrow, you know that time you want to hang out with your friend? You know, the thing that you wanted me to help you out with, I'm not going to be able to do that for you. And from what I found out, and this is one approach, so I can give you like 30 off the top of my head. One of the things that this does is A, which is very important, you're letting them know this is not personal, but you're also letting them know that you have made it personal in the past. You nag, you freak out, you... Um, you, you know, constantly berating them with questions and, and reminders, and you feel like you're doing all the work and they're not doing enough of the work. I tell parents, I'd rather your kid not do the homework that one night than for you guys to have a big blow up that now tells them that they have reason to be mad at you because they didn't do their homework. Now I'm using one example, you talking about homework. Parents will say, well, if they don't do the homework, then they're not going to get the grade. If they're not going to get the grade, they're going to be mad at me because they'll be grounded. Well, not necessarily. If they don't do the homework that night and the next day you still don't do, make it personal. And let's say that they were supposed to go hang out with a friend afterwards and you politely or maybe not politely is the best word. You calmly just say, hey, I know you didn't do your homework the way you're supposed to do it last night. Like I told you, I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not going to get upset at you, but I want you to try to. Remember that I didn't get upset at you. 
and try to give me the same favor. Because tomorrow, like I said, you're not going to be able to go hang out with your friend. If they freak out and say, what, what? No, it wasn't my fault. Well, you know, you know, my friend needed me last night or so-and-so called or, you know, and my little sibling was bothering me. Say, hey, I get it. I get it. But tomorrow or later on this afternoon, whenever you talk about it, you're not going to be able to go hang out with your friend. Now, if they come to you and they say, well, this isn't fair. That's stupid. That's whatever. Say, okay, I tell you what. You could be mad at me or you could try to negotiate with me. See, the second phase of this is every single parent has been a total hypocrite in your punishment. Every parent has said, you can't go hang out with your friends tomorrow. And then your, your kids later on, maybe they like are nice to you. Maybe they like, you know, you saw them being nice to their sibling, or maybe they just flat out beg you and complain and wear you down. You're like, fine. Okay. Cause you don't have the energy to fight with them, but we don't realize unknowingly we're missing out an opportunity to teach them a second level and a second phase of communication and relationships, which is negotiation. If you don't belittle your kids or, you know, interrogate them and make it personal and you tell them in the past, I know I've gotten mad at you and upset, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some freedom to not do this tonight or to do it. It's up to you, but tomorrow or whatever is coming up, maybe it's the weekend. If you don't do this tonight, I'm not going to yell at you, but you're not going to be able to do that. When they figure out that you're being serious, because think about it, when someone's yelling at you, it's, it just makes you aggravated. But when someone quietly says, it's okay, you don't have to do your homework, and they smile, teenagers and kids look at you like, wait a second, this sounds like a trap. They're way too calm right now. They're not upset. <clears throat> so the next day, let's say they come back to you and say, uh, I know I didn't do my homework last night. And they give you a bunch of mistakes. Say, oh, it's okay. Like I told you, you didn't have to do it. Then they'll get really curious. Like, so does that mean I can't go hang out with my friends? Well, like I told you, if you didn't do it, you know what would happen. As they start to complain and get worked up, or if they pout and put their head down and start to walk away, say, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. Now, if they're angry, you say, wait a second. If they walk away, you say, wait a second. Why are you getting so angry so fast or why are you giving up so fast? Then they'll ask you like, what do you mean? Well, did you ever think in the past I've changed my mind and let you go do something when I said I wouldn't let you? They'll be like, yeah, I guess you have. Okay. So perhaps this might be a great opportunity for you to try to negotiate with me and give me something I want so I could give you something you want. This is where you start to get some of your queros, some of your wants. Okay? <laughs> but you also get to teach them you are not unreasonable. You can be negotiated with. You can't be argued with. You're not going to change your mind if they argue with you. If they pout and they throw a pity party where you're not trying to raise codependent kids for the rest of your life, and you're not trying to deal with them and give them what they want simply because they don't like your decision, but you are open for negotiation. And that's the one thing when you told me you want to talk about tonight, I said, this is something that I really haven't talked a lot about before in our podcast, but I've said it in bits and pieces before, but there, it's a two-step process. I do this with my students in high school, like all the time now. They'll come to me and say, Cobb, Mr. Claus, 
you know, uh, you know, I've got this grade in my class and, you know, and they'll give me all these reasons why they didn't get a good grade. And I say, okay. I go, well, I could sit here and tell you, remember all those times in the class when I told you to put your phone down and you didn't? But I'm not going to tell you that. Do you want a good grade? Yeah. Well, instead of complaining to me why you should have a good grade, and instead of me telling you why I gave you a bad grade, why don't you go back to your desk and why don't you think about something that I really like and means a lot to me? I've told you all quarter long the things that I respect, the things I appreciate, and the things that will get you a good grade in this class. Think about something that you can bring to me, and then I want you to say, Mr. Cause, I have an idea. I know I got a bad grade, but I was wondering, would you improve my grade if I did such and such a thing for you? If we don't teach our kids how to negotiate, they will be perpetual demanders or they'll be perpetual uh, powders. They'll be pouting all the time or demanding all the time. Those are both traits of children, not adults. Well, some adults obviously <laughs> have that trait, but some adults you know, don't evolve from the child to adult stage. But think about it, in the real world and business, how many times you, when I, I'm not saying you, but how many times have you had to work with people in your company or work with people that you have to do business with that you don't even like them? Well, if you, did, if you couldn't work with everybody you didn't like, there wouldn't be a lot of commerce and business happening. The reason why people can work with people that they don't like is because they learn to negotiate. They know what the other person needs and wants, you know what you need and want, and you learn to have working relationships. The best relationships in life, whether it be a spousal relationship, dating relationship, parent-child relationship, comes through negotiation and learning how to communicate. When people say, hey, you have, we have bad communication in our relationship. Like when couples would come to me, they'd say, like, we need to learn to communicate. I'd say, no, you need to learn to negotiate. And they would look at me like, wait, what? I go, well, communication is so vague. It's so broad because I'll talk to one husband and he'll be like, I'm a great communicator. The wife's like, no, he's not. And he's like, well, she's petty and she doesn't communicate with me. So then they're arguing about them not being good communicators and the other person being a good communicator, right? Like, like blaming the other person. I'm saying, no, no, no. Negotiation's your problem. You guys suck at negotiating. You're not bringing anything to the relationship to negotiate about. And negotiation isn't meaning, mom, let me go hang out with my friends or else I'm going to be sad. And as a parent, negotiation is... I told you, if you didn't do your homework, you can't go with your friends no matter what. Parents suck at negotiating too. And so it gives, when I say suck, meaning we, and can, that's all probably, use, we can all I use mean, improvement because, is what I'm saying. But it's because we feel like we're the final say. Exactly. Like we shouldn't have to negotiate. We, you know, we're negotiate. the boss. And so what we did should- Did your dad negotiate like with you, honey? Did you get no, dad no. negotiate with you? No, no, no. Absolutely no, not. No. No, no, so no. we, we, in, in this fact, generation parents, in fact, I'm we also were, a terrible negotiator because I feel <laughs> a lot of guilt. I have guilt complexes. Well, we weren't taught how to negotiate. We were, I mean, most old school parent styles is shaming more recent in, in years, but it's always been around, but it's more prevalent now coddling. Right. But when I talk about, when we talk about on the podcast, partnering, that is really negotiation partners negotiate they don't demand and they don't throw pity parties and say fine i'm not going to do it but as parents we have so many opportunities to teach our kids how to negotiate but we miss it because we feel that we have to either be too much like towing the line 
or we have to make our kids like us and we have to submit and appease them. But in either of those situations, we're not teaching them anything. We're trying to control the outcome. Controlling the outcome does not teach kids how to be competent in an adult world. That's super interesting. Um, and I always like it when you bring up something that I wouldn't have thought of. <laughs> because yeah, You didn't see that yeah. one coming, huh? No, because my response is just stop hounding people. You know, maybe say, okay, tomorrow we're going to talk about this again after school. I'm going to, I'm going to give you 24 hours. And really what that means is that 24 hours is just like 24 hours until they're going to talk about it again. It's just like pushing back the inevitable, right? Well, 24 hours is a good, it's a, that's a good rule of thumb. But like what you're getting at now is that once the 24 hours is done, then what? Right. Are you and just then, you, then, you just, then you just blow up again or just because, I mean, even, even me, if I can get somebody off my case for a few minutes because I can't work on whatever I have to work on, that doesn't mean I get them off my case and I hurry and go do what I was supposed to do. It means you get someone off your case and then you like, whew, and then you like sit, you know, like you sit down. And so I like this um, approach of negotiation. I mean, really quick, I just Googled the definition um, of negotiation, which says it's a discussion aimed at reaching an agreement. And I, th I think what I like about that is that when you're in a situation with your kid, that is, you know, as you, as you said in the very beginning, frustration or blow up or um, just kind of your wit's end, most of us wouldn't call that an agreeable relationship. You know, we're not in an agreeable relationship because actually we don't care if they agree with us. We just care that they do what we say. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you and know, then we get back. what we want. Right. But I think that you are so right because in marriage, we have to negotiate. In business, we have to negotiate. Even in particular, like as adult children in a family, um, as you're interacting with your siblings and deciding like what what are we gonna have on Sunday night or who's gonna use the family condo or, you know, inheritances or, you know, who's gonna help out with mom and dad? Like all of, all of these grown up relationships when you actually have to have um, productive conversations, the idea is to come to an agreement because you don't go into it thinking, well, I don't even care what you think because what I say goes, you know, we recognize that we're going to have to do some work yeah. to get to, to a happy place. You know, I, I was, I was teaching a, a family I was working with um, this one time, <clears throat> the, the dad, the mom uh, were both attorneys and the dad came from a long line of attorneys. He met his wife, you know, in, in school. And when I taught them about this, they kind of laughed and chuckled a little bit. And they said, well, we're definitely more debaters than negotiators. <laughs> and I said, yeah. I said, how do you mean? They go, well, you know, they both were in debate clubs in high school. And they both, you know, they had this love to argue every point. And they said, our problem is our kids, we, we gave birth to kids just like us. And they said, we can't help it. It's just in our blood. And I said, I 
would disagree with you that it's not in your blood, it's in your communication. Your communication has always been, how do I win instead of how do we all win? Mm -hmm. that, that really stuck with them. So what they started working on was modeling for their kids because they were the couple that had like a couple older kids and then they had kids later on. So they had a couple of kids when they first got married and they focused on their career and they had a couple of kids when they were younger. So their goal was to not screw up their younger kids. Their words, not mine, right? <laughs> so our older kids are already yeah, pissed we all off. have that hope. Yeah, they, their older kids were in teenage years and they were seeing me for their older kids, but their younger kids, like we want to keep them cute and young. And they said, our younger kids do watch us argue, but we don't call it arguing. We decided to call it debating, which that's just a plan words. They were arguing all the time. And so I said, to change this around, they started to do some negotiation exercise and tactics at home because they realized how to do it. They're great with words. They're great at talking, but they're more focused, like I said, on winning. So once they started to um, do more negotiating, they would invite their kids, like when their younger kids would come up to them and say, mom, I want this now. And the mom would typically say, you know, like, um, no, you don't get that. And the kid was like, I want that. And then so she would debate with the kids because like, she thought that was a great skill to teach the kids how to argue. So instead she flipped it around and she started to say things. And these kids were probably like seven, eight years old, right? They weren't that old yet. She'd go, okay, you want that? She goes, yeah, I tell you what, why don't you tell me why you want it? And then I'll tell you what you can do to earn it. If you help me with something, then I'll help you with something. And at first she was like, my kids are like, no, I want it because I want it. But then when they saw that they more, were more likely to get what they wanted, because they would take the time to tell her, then she would tell them. Then their brains started to go, oh, wait, this is a better way to get what I want. It was more of a high probability that they'd get what they want if they took the time to tell her why they wanted it and she took the time to listen and tell them what they need to do to get it. It took them a couple months, but her and her husband were like, you're right. It's not ingrained in their DNA. It's ingrained in their observation. We were modeling for them how to be debaters and arguers. We were never intending to try to make them better negotiators. Now, they had found out with their older teenage kids that their kids were too good, too much like them, and they didn't have the energy to argue with them because they argued for a living at work, came home, and they were like, fine, here. They would just surrender. Like For us being such great arguers, we surrender to our teen kids all the time because they just can out... They got more energy in the tank and more, and more gas in the tank. Yeah, so true. Now, well, for all you parents out there, let me say one last thing. For all you yeah. parents out there, this is no means for me to say you're bad parents if your kids are really demanding and argumentative in your house, especially if you have lots of kids. But I will tell you, I can't save you from the reality that you have a huge part to play in this. If you're short-tempered, if you demand complete order or demand like i said this and it has to be done that way if you find yourself talking like your parents words coming out of your mouth like your parents i'm not saying you're just like them but in similar ways that unfortunately what you've been doing is you've been modeling for your kids for for your kids to have the attitude i deserve what i want and i need to demand it because that's how you get what you want you demand it from me you tow the line, you hold my feet to the fire. So I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. If you're tired, I don't care. You said you're going to take me. Well, then dang it, you're going to take me. If we work on negotiation more, we're teaching them that we're people, 
their people. You know, I know I was mad at you last time, but I'm going to tell you what, let, let's talk about it. Sometimes they're not going to get what they want, but if they start to get more wins through negotiation, you're teaching them that it's just more effective than arguing. I like that a lot. Takes a little bit more work in the beginning. So this is the difficult part for people. It takes more patience in the beginning, but the long run is it's undeniable. When I'm working with the same family for years and they put in this type of work, they report it's undeniable if something works. If it works, you're going to keep on doing it. Your kids are going to keep on doing it. And the sooner you can do this with your kids, taking that negotiation instead of I need to win and they're just little gremlins trying to suck my energy and money from me. I see a lot of parents that they have this attitude towards their kids and resentment towards their kids because their kids take so much from them, not realizing that they modeled for their kids the same behavior. And when I say taking more like demanding and taking are kind of the same thing. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, I don't know that I'm really good in the art of negotiation, but it definitely gives me something more to think about. Well, yeah, I mean, Heidi, if, if, if you think about this and you're like, you know, how could I, how could I teach my kids the art of negotiation right now instead of thinking I just need them to get to, I just need them to stop what they're doing right now. Because now it becomes a puzzle for your brain. It becomes like a task that you're like, oh, how can I figure this out? Versus how can I just make it stop? Right. Interesting. And we learn so much more about people through negotiation. That's why so many business relationships become friendships through respecting each other because they learn to negotiate with wants and needs. Right. Sharing, good, sharing goods and services being able to split something with someone because it makes your life easier and they split it with you and makes their life easier. These are all things that relationships, good foundational relationships can be, can be brought to the surface that you had no idea that you could ever relate to that person because you had nothing in common on the outside. I'm talking about business relationships, but because you work together, you find out that you have a common interest and you guys can help each other with your own individual interest by learning to negotiate better. All right. Well, you've given me something, something to think about. Yeah. If you have a friend that's not good at this, you could tell them, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just try this. Just try yeah. this. I mean, sometimes I think the word negotiation might make you feel like you're just wanting to try to protect yourself. You don't want to get taken advantage of, you know, you're somebody with more powers, maybe coming in, trying to negotiate something out of you or, um, but I think that when your intention is to arrive in a, an agreement where both people are happy, where everybody wins, um, then it's not about trying to take advantage. It's, it's really just trying to make sure everybody um, carries the load and that you put the relationship first. The know? pushback that I get from parents about this when I talk to them about partnering and negotiating are the same thing. They, a lot of times parents see this as a loss of power or surrendering power. And I have to remind them, you are more powerful if more people are going along with you willingly. If you can get people 
to choose to work with you instead of feel like they have to work with you, your influence is much greater. Your talents between the two of you or three of you, whoever it may be, are multiplied. If you have better work relationships, there's more people to carry the load. But if you have to beg and plead and give guilt trips to your kids to do things for you and remind them of all the things you bought for them, that, that influence is quickly going to fade. It's very brittle. It does not last long. But if your kids believe through negotiation that you're willing to give up something that's important to you or something that makes you feel uncomfortable for their betterment, they just know intuitively that the same is required of them for you. And once you have more people working together, everyone's better off. I like it. All right, okay. team, all of you, all of you who are listening, we've got we've got some work to do. Yeah, and we also have Patreon. Let them know about that, Heidi. We've got a lot of great Patreons. So if you want to be a part of a more intimate relationship with here, us here at Light the Fight, we're about to record a Patreon episode. Take uh, more of our old topics, um, give more lessons, like more educational stuff, take a much deeper dive, and you can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Is it, Brandon, is it Light the Fight Patreon? It's been a while since my brain had to work. Yeah, Patreon backslash Light the Fight. Yeah, Light the Fight. It's just five bucks. It's just five bucks a month. Helps us keep uh, the podcast going, and we... uh, get to give you some little extra content and talk with you. And you get to tell me, David, I hope you don't die. Cause lately I've been getting a lot of great messages about that. And I appreciate that, but I'm like, Oh man, I didn't know this. This Patreon is going to be like a Hallmark card for me, which I appreciate. But I'm like, Oh, we got the sweetest, we got the sweetest fans on our Patreon. So thank you guys for all we those. Know, we need a lot of Hallmark cards for David for sure. Yeah. All right, you guys, thank you for listening. We would love to see you over at Patreon. Um, thank you for, your support and for sharing about the podcast. Um, we, you know, maybe our assignment is now just to like do some research on good negotiation skills. Mm. <laughs> and um, in any event, you guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for wanting to put your relationships first. And thank you for helping us to light the fight. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big-